while you're listening to uh, this Dhamma talk, you can establish mindfulness with your in and out breath. This breath of ours is something that we have had since birth and it becomes a meditation object that we use in order to make the mind peaceful. So we develop mindfulness over this in and out breath. And this is the meditation object that the Buddha used, the Buddha used to gain enlightenment underneath the Bodhi tree. And it's something that is always with us, this breath, and so it's a good meditation object for us. But the problem is that usually we go throughout our lives without much mindfulness. We don't have mindfulness that stays within our body. It's usually sent outside of us and we get caught up in things around us. So when we have the chance to meditate and to practice, then we use that time in a good manner. So we may come to the monastery, we make merit and offerings, and then we use that time that we've come to the monastery in order to practice meditation. Or if we have time at home, then we similarly use that time for practice and meditation. This is like food, food for our mind. When we want to develop energy and strength in the body, then we need to exercise and we need to move the body a lot in order to develop that energy. So, and if we don't move around a lot, we don't stretch, etc., then the body becomes weak. Or in opposite way, then when our mind, when it thinks a lot, gets caught up in a lot of mental proliferation, then it loses energy and it becomes weak. It's like a battery, a battery that becomes used up and becomes empty the more that one thinks and one gets caught into mental proliferation. So we need to train the mind to develop mindfulness and samadhi. And samadhi is this firm one-pointedness of mind. This is like we're gathering all the energy of the mind into one point. When we live in the world, we are constantly having sense contact. And so the eye sees a form, the ear hears a sound, the nose smells odors, the tongue tastes, uh, the body has contact feelings, the mind contacts thoughts, and this is a, a mental, becomes a mental object. So we are caught up in all these, this sense contact, and the deluded mind uh, gets lost in it, and gets caught into liking and disliking. And so we need to develop this mindfulness and knowing in order to know this contact uh, as it occurs. For instance, when we have thinking in the mind, we have to have knowing along with that thinking. People, especially good people, they always want to have good thoughts. If they have any bad, unwholesome, negative thoughts and they feel bad, they want to push that away. But it's natural that the mind that still has ignorance is going to have good thoughts but also bad thoughts as well arise. So we have to see that these, this type of thinking, good and bad, is something that is something normal. It's something that we, we can't control. 
But our practice is to just know these thoughts as they arise and to see it in according to its true nature, and that is that it's of the nature to arise, stay a little while, and then pass away. It's just like the breath, our breath, it arises, it comes in, stays a little while, and then it leaves and it ceases. And this is something that we need to contemplate and reflect on and develop insight into. Before I ordained, there was one revered teacher, Longpo Intachak, and he gave me a very short teaching. He said that you have to develop insight into the breath, insight that it just arises, stays for a little while and leaves. And he gave such a short teaching, but it's something that if you don't have a very high level of wisdom, then you won't be able to see this teaching clearly and understand what he was talking about. This comes back to this dependent origination, what we call Patichat Samupada, this ignorance that is the cause, that has 12 causes all the way up to the arising of suffering. And so we need to see just this arising and passing away of, of the Dhamma, of, of phenomena. So we have to contemplate into phenomena to see the true nature of it. So we can contemplate on material objects, for instance our house, our possessions that we call ours, and we have to be able to see it in the nature of that it's something that's impermanent, it doesn't last forever. And then if we can see into that true nature, then the mind will become empty, it will have emptiness arise. This is if we can get to this state, it's as if we're born again, but we're born again with wisdom. And this refers to what I was talking about with the Patichat Samavada. It's like you're born again, but with wisdom. So we are born into this world, and as we grow up, we gain more and more attachments. Attachments as in we call all the things around us as something that's me and something that's mine. But this isn't the truth. No matter how much we will gain on the outside in terms of material wealth. We still have this problem in that this body of ours is of the nature to be impermanent. Uh, just this breath is impermanent. It arises and it ceases. And so then we may ask ourselves, well, what's the point of this human body? What do we use it for? Well, we use it, this human body and mind in order to come to understand the truth of this world. If we don't yet understand the truth of this world, the truth of nature, then we have to be born again. It's as if we haven't passed a subject that we're learning at school. We have to truly learn into this subject and pass it and really understand it. There's many subjects in the world in terms of school and in terms of worldly knowledge that you may have passed and you may already understand. But if you don't yet understand into the Satya Dhamma, the real truth or the Dhamma, then it's as if you haven't passed yet. And when we don't understand this Satya Dhamma, this, this truth of nature, the reality of things, then we will have these states of 
greed, hatred and delusion arise in our hearts, in our minds. But these states of what we call the mental defilement of greed, hatred and delusion, we're not trying to run away from them. You know, we're not trying to stop them from arising in the way that we just put it aside. But uh, we're trying to get to understand the truth in order to uh, be free of these defilements. And so we may have duties and responsibilities. We may have work that we have to do every day. You know, we have to go to work every day. And when we do this, we will have many different contact in terms of our senses. We have to experience many different states, moods and emotions, but we're not running away from them. We're just trying to develop mindfulness in order to, to understand and know them as they arise. And so we have to reflect on, on everything and see it according to nature. We can reflect on all this happiness that we've experienced in the past. And we can ask ourselves, well, where do you keep this happiness? Or all the suffering that we've felt and experienced in the past, well, where do we keep all this suffering? All the money and wealth and material possessions we can actually keep to some extent. And we can keep it or we can give it to other, other people. But these feelings of happiness, well, where can you keep that? And this feeling of suffering is the same. Where can you keep this? So we have to see all things in terms of this nature of that it arises, stays and then passes away. But with this deluded mind of ours, we don't see this yet. And so we see everything as in terms of a me and a mine, or me and theirs. And so we break it up in, in this sort of view. So we need to use this faith that we have in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha and with this faith, we offer our practice of Dhamma in order to give it as an offering to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. And we should do this a lot. We should try to practice a lot. And this is as if we are a true Buddhist. We're making it the, the highest type of offering. And this is the practice of Dhamma. If one practices Dhamma in this way, then this birth of ours as a human won't be wasted because we'll have this complete faith and confidence in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha and we have this faith and confidence in the purified heart of, of the Buddha and of the Arahants, those are free from defilements of our teachers of the forest tradition, Venerable Ajahn Man, Venerable Ajahn Chah and other great teachers and we really have that faith and confidence that they saw the truth for themselves and they were able to purify their minds for themselves and it's something that once you reflect on that then you can see actually you can do it as well uh, you are able to practice and to purify your mind as well all beings or living beings are able to uh, improve the states of their mind in order to become awakened in order to see the truth but it takes training, it takes training, one needs to train one's own mind. But this training of mind will definitely lead one to have true inner happiness. So we have to reflect on different states of mind. We can reflect on these thoughts of ours that we don't have any control over them. We can't control the bad thoughts, 
and good people, they want to have good thoughts, but it's not possible. There is going to be bad and unwholesome thoughts that are arising in the mind. And so our teacher, Venerable Ajahn Chah, taught us to see these thoughts as just arising, staying, and then passing away. It shouldn't be held onto as oneself or as me or mine. So you contemplate it and then you let it go. If you can see it clearly, then you'll be able to let it go. And this is the practice of using one's wisdom, using one's contemplation in order to develop samadhi, in order to develop this firm concentration. And this is how we are able to attain nibbana or the freedom from suffering uh, little by little. If we can let go, then we can see that it's actually easy. Uh, but it's not letting go in a way that we just push things away. We're actually letting go with understanding and with wisdom. There was one monk in the time of Venerable Ajahn Chah back then, and he, he was in his kuti, his dwelling, and it was raining very heavily, and half of the roof broke. The water was coming into his, his dwelling. But he tried to practice letting go, so he just moved to the other side. He would just let the water fall in and wouldn't be worried about that, the water coming into the hut. And Venerable Ajahn Chah found out about this and came up to this monk and said, well, what, what are you doing? Why haven't you fixed the roof? And he said that, the monk said, he's practicing letting go. And Ajahn Chah didn't know what to say. It's like, this is not the letting go that we're trying to practice. That's a letting go without any wisdom. We're trying to develop the letting go that has wisdom. It's as if he's practicing like a, a buffalo. A buffalo in... in Thai is actually a derogatory word or comment that one makes to someone. And so it's as if they don't have any wisdom at all, they're just stupid. And this is wrong view. This is how one doesn't practice properly. But even buffaloes themselves, they have a certain amount of wisdom. They can help people to a certain extent. But that type of letting go just doesn't, doesn't help anyone. So we're trying to develop this knowing with wisdom in terms of the truth, in terms of nature, understanding. If we can have this understanding, then we know that, oh, we know how to use things, but we don't attach to them, and we know these things that we use in terms of the truth. We can reflect on the body of ours as well. The body of ours is constantly changing. It reacts to different weather. So if it's cold, then we need to put clothing on. If it's hot, then we, uh, we don't need so much clothing. And it's also subject to many sicknesses and so we can see in our lives many different sicknesses have arisen and will arise. And this sickness of body, it's not, it's not scared of us at all. It's not scared of any doctor, it's not scared of any nurse. It's really something that's much larger than us, we could say. And it's something that we can't even fight against, this sickness. But the Buddha taught us just to know this truth, have that knowing with this sickness, and if we can understand into the cause, when there's this cause, then it leads to that result. If we can put down the cause, then the result won't arise. If we can understand that, then we know how to practice, we know how to develop wisdom. So in this practice, we're not trying to be anyone. We're not trying to, to be someone big or to, to gain anything. And we're practicing in order to let go of things, in order to let go of this being, this being someone. We're not trying to gain states of enlightenment like a Sotapanna, Sri Mantra, Sakadagami, Anagami, all the way to Arahant, someone's fu uh, fully purified. We're not trying to gain that 
state or that label, but we're just trying to let things go. So we let things go to that state. The mind is not trying to be anything and there's nothing to try to be. Because if we reach these states of enlightenment, then we know that the mind, if it attaches to being, to being someone or something, then this is just a cause for suffering to arise. So may you all train practice every day, and this is the way you'll gain Nibbāna, this freedom from suffering every day, little by little. And if you can train like this, then this is a cause for more and more merits to arise in your mind, and so may you all be determined in your practice.